Welcome to Miscellanies, presented by Turning Tide Media. Today I'd like to share with you a few thoughts that I've been meditating on from Luke chapter number 7, the first 10 verses from that chapter. This is the account of the Roman centurion who had a servant that was sick unto death, and he asked Jesus to come and heal him. And this passage of scripture has a sister passage, so to speak, in Matthew chapter number 8. The same account is recorded there. And those that are familiar with this story, with this account, uh, will remember that at the end of it, Jesus says concerning this Roman centurion that he had found no greater faith in all of Israel than what was found in this man. And that should strike us as not necessarily odd, but as special. Um, Jesus didn't flatter people. He didn't just butter people up and say nice things about them just to get on their good side. Uh, the scripture tells us in at the end of John chapter 2, I believe it is, um, that he did not commit himself to certain people because he knew what was in them. Uh, he knows what's in the heart of man, and uh, he's not going to lie about us, and he's not going to flatter us up. And so when he says he found no greater faith, uh, no not in Israel, that's special, and we ought to pay attention to it. And so as I was thinking and kind of praying along these lines, um, the Lord has helped me to recognize a few things that I'd like to share with you, uh, if you'll let me just for a few moments. The first thing that I want to, to share is that this Roman centurion possessed a character of compassion and tenderness in spite of his position. You see, centurions were, they, they weren't, you know, known as nice people. Uh, they were soldiers. And they were soldiers in the Roman Empire, obviously, but they were captains, so to speak, over, uh, originally it was a hundred men. We think of a century being a hundred years. A centurion was originally over a hundred men, though at this point in time in the Roman Empire, that number was probably down to 60 to 80. Uh, they reduced the amount of men under a centur centurion's command. Um, but nonetheless, this is a man who was remarkable in his dis discipline. You know, he uh, he had an incredible amount of discipline over himself and over his troops. He was a leader. He was courageous. He was a man that was um, had distinguished himself most likely in battle. That's how many centurions were promoted to that position. They were originally just soldiers, and they were recognized in battle performing heroic feats and oftentimes would be promoted to the rank of centurion as a result of their courage and their bravery. He was an honorable man because centurions were highly respected, they were highly decorated soldiers. Um, he had every reason to think a lot of himself and not to think about other people. He had subjects underneath him, servants underneath him. In fact, that's what this passage is about. There, He had a servant that was underneath him that was sick unto death, and he asked Jesus to help him. So we see in his intercession for his servant the fact that in spite of his position, he didn't think too highly of himself, and he didn't think too lowly of those underneath him either. We ought to take a page from this from this man's book, so to speak, and and consider how many prayers we pray for ourselves versus how many prayers we pray for other people. This man's earnest request was for somebody else's salvation, and yes, he would benefit from it because, after all, this man, the, the man that was sick, was the centurion's servant, but still, the centurion was asking for the sake of somebody else 
Uh, the scripture tells us in verse number two of Luke seven that this man was dear unto him. Uh, this was a special person in this centurion's life, and uh, he he honored him, respected him as a friend and as a servant, and and uh, and appreciated all the labor that you know he did and all of those different things. And so uh, he he was asking on the behalf of somebody else. May we uh, consider this centurion and. Ask the Lord to help us to intercede. Ask the Lord to help us to, as Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, to make prayers and supplications and giving of thanks and intercessions be made for all men. Um, He wants us to pray for other people. And that's important. And that's something that I believe caught Jesus' eye when we pray for other people. And yes, it's, it's right and good for us to pray for ourselves, but when we pray for other people... That's really getting into the heart of Christ because he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he's a man of compassion in spite of his position. He's also a man of tenderness in spite of his position. Another thing about Roman centurions is that they had a reputation of being uh, very exact with their judgment and kind of being hard-nosed. I mean, you didn't really want to cross them. You didn't want to mess with them. They were very strict in their rule and in their uh, in their authority over over their troops and over their men. And so to see this kind of man... Uh, interceding, not only interceding for somebody else, but also the scripture tells us in verses 4 and 5 that the Jews spoke highly of him, saying that this man was worthy for Jesus to come and heal his servant, and that uh, the scripture says in verse number 4 that uh, he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. I mean, this centurion was not obligated to help the Jewish people. There's Record, recorded uh, reports of Pontius Pilate, who was you know kind of the governor uh, in that area, and and uh, he he um, had to come to Jerusalem you know certain times of the year to pronounce judgments and things like that, and and it's recorded of Pontius Pilate that he did not really care for the Jewish people. He did not particularly enjoy being in uh, Israel or being among the Hebrew people. Whereas this centurion, the scripture tells us that the Jews say, he loves us, he loves our nation, and he's built us a synagogue. And, you know, he he forked over money and time and resources and probably had to sign off on things in order for this synagogue to be built. And he didn't have to do any of that. He did that because he actually cared for the people that he was he was trying to protect and he was trying to... Um, have some kind of authority and uh, over and a presence around. He he really cared about the folks that he was he was ministering to. He I believe he he considered it as a being a minister to those folks, and not necessarily just being a commander of of soldiers to rule and to reign over this area or over this uh, this people. And so I find it interesting that this was said about this man. And then the scripture also says in verse number six, so in verse five it says, you know, that he loveth our nation, he hath built us a synagogue. Verse six says, then Jesus went with them. Then Jesus went with them. When he heard that he loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue, Jesus consented to go with them. Now, if he hadn't heard that, I'm sure Jesus, being the compassionate God that he is, the compassionate Christ that he is, that he would have gone anyway. But I find it interesting that the scripture tells us that Jesus went when he heard that he loved those people. And so 
we see that he's a man of compassion in spite of his position. He's a man of tenderness in spite of his position. He also is a man of uh, order and humility. And what I mean by that is uh, he recognized the needs and the culture of the people uh, around him. And I want to be careful with that word culture because scripture transcends culture. But at the same time, you know, the Jewish people were a very narrow-minded, nationalistic kind of people. They still are today, and that's for good reason. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, um, the scripture tells us that he himself did not go to Jesus. Uh, he sent the Jewish elders and the Jewish leaders to go on his behalf. And so he understood that uh, these these people you know, had a very certain way of looking at things, and he respected the fact that his request would probably be better received if it were to come from ambassadors um, of the Jewish people. And so he, he recognized the best way to approach Christ in that, best way to approach the Jewish people in that. I think that's important. Uh, the scripture teaches us that there is a due order of following God and worshiping God. Um, the scripture tells us that uh, no man can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so we have to have an ambassador. We cannot approach God the Father on our own. We have to be standing in the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his name. There's also humility that's seen in this man, because on two different occasions he says that he is not worthy, even though the Jews, says, the Jews said that he was worthy. This man did not think himself worthy to see Jesus, to meet Jesus face to face. He sent ambassadors ambassadors and then whenever Jesus actually got to his location to his house he said you know I'm not worthy that you should come under my my roof and so this is important because we recognize this man is a Roman centurion right this man legally had the authority to demand anything he wanted out of these people and pretty much be able to exercise his will over them but instead of making demands he made a humble request and an appeal. And yes, the scripture tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, but I'm afraid that many times we go to the Lord making demands instead of making humble requests. Yes, we can come boldly, but we can also come recognizing the fact that we don't deserve to stand where we're standing. It's only through Jesus Christ that we get to stand where we're at and we get to cry, Abba, Father. It's only through Jesus Christ that we, we can have access to him and you know, by our own merit and by our own worth, by our own works, we we have nothing to offer God. Nothing to offer God that would be pleasing to Him anyway. We have plenty to offer Him that would be um, that would be met with swift judgment. But thank the Lord, He poured all of His judgment and wrath for my sins upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But He still demands that we come humbly. We can come boldly, but we need to come humbly. So we also see. And of course, this is the obvious thing, but we see this man's faith expressed in this. Uh, there was something that, that hit me in verse number three that the scripture tells us that when the centurion heard of Jesus, that he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and to heal his servant. This is probably very early in Jesus's ministry. I believe within six to 12 months of the first six to 12 months of Jesus's ministry, um, I believe these events take place uh, at the same time as Mark chapter number one. Uh, this is very early in Jesus's ministry. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus had done many wonderful works. The Bible tells us about that, uh, that even after, um, you know, the temptation and the first miracle and, and all of that, 
uh, that you know the people would bring sick and those that were possessed with devils and all kinds of afflictions to the Lord Jesus and he would he would heal them but he had really only been in in this particular city C- Capernaum just once or twice and and I'm more leaning towards that just once this is in my opinion, probably his first time in Capernaum. Now, I might be wrong on that. I'm not going to put a stake down in the ground and say, you know, this is where I stand. But like I say, though, this is this is very early in Jesus' ministry. And the point is that this man did not see the works of Jesus himself. He's hearing about it. He heard of Jesus and sent these men, sent these elders to beseech Jesus to come and heal his servant. He believed now, there's a lot of things that's out there in the world that we don't just need to believe. You know, uh, everybody's got an angle. Everybody's got a bias. And we need to have discernment about us. But when it comes to the things of God, when we read it in Scripture, when we see it plainly written in Scripture, that something is possible or something is promised, we should be like this centurion and just believe it. We may not have any reason, uh, as far as a logical reason, you know, we've seen this evidence, or you know what the evidence is? Faith is is the evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. You don't have to sit around and wait for signs and wonders and miracles in order to say, well, you know, God, I, I guess I can believe you now because you've proved yourself. God doesn't have to prove himself to us. He shouldn't have to prove himself to us. He didn't have to prove himself to this centurion. This centurion heard of Jesus and just simply believed. And my friend, if, if you're a Christian, you have heard of Jesus. You probably have a Bible. You probably have a home church. You, you probably have a pastor that has ministered to you the word of God week after week and day after day and year after year. You have heard of Jesus. Will you believe him? I mean, I'm, I mean, believe him with whatever this problem is that you're facing right now. Really believe him. Really trust him. And ask him to help. Then there's another thing about this man's faith, uh, which is that he says to, to Jesus through an ambassador, he says, I'm a man under authority. He says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just speak the word and I believe that, that your word will be done. He believed that Jesus had authority, and so as such, he asked, humbly asked, what he wanted from the Lord Jesus. And we need to remember that all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. There is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. There is nothing that is impossible with God. We just simply have to believe him. So may the Lord help us to consider the character of this centurion. As we go about our day, may we ask the Lord, no matter what our responsibilities or position or disciplines we have to have in this world, may we never get to the place where we're cold-hearted or shut off or bitter, where we don't want to acknowledge the needs of other people or pray for the needs of other people or petition for other people, that we never think too highly of ourselves, uh, that we don't have a disproportionate view of who we are in the sight of God. We are, yes, we are children, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, but my friend, tread lightly because it is only by the grace of God that we stand where we are. Yes, we can stand boldly, but we ought to stand humbly. And so may we have some humility about us and and may we most of all have faith because without faith it's impossible to please him. 
My friend, I hope and pray that this kind of Bible thought has been an encouragement, a challenge to you. May the Lord help us to adopt these uh, some of these characteristics that were found in this Roman centurion so that when we pray, especially pray for other people, but when we pray, we can get a hold to the Lord and we can see that our faith is rewarded by the Lord answering prayer. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. And we've got to believe him. We've got to take him at his word. Uh, but may we have and possess a character that will make Jesus say, you know what, that's the kind of faith I want to honor. And the scripture says, continuing on in that, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so our faith has to say, not only God, I believe you, but I also, Lord, I believe that you will hear and that you will answer. And we're not asking for Bugattis and we're not asking for mansions. We're asking first and foremost for God to be glorified. But we're asking for the needs of other people to be met. We're asking for us to be usable in his service. We're asking for souls to be saved. We're asking for the sick to be healed. We're asking for God to have compassion when God wants and delights in having compassion. And so may the Lord help us to pray right and to possess a character that gets God's attention when we pray. Until next time, may God keep you in his word and keep you in his will and keep you profitable for his service. And uh, Lord willing, we'll come back at you with another miscellany soon.